Sunday Surefire. It's your host slash co-host slash I don't know what I am slash who cares what I am because we are talking football this week. We got the NFL draft and I got the commission with me again. Hey, Aaron. What's up, buddy? How's it going, man? I'm I'm pretty pumped. If you couldn't tell by that intro, you know, big week, a um, lot going on with this um, with the draft coming up. I mean, We've had a countdown forever, like in our fantasy leagues, count down the days to the draft. But I, I think I'm getting goosebumps. I mean, we're we're talking Thursday. We got we got the draft starting. Yeah, it's hard to believe that it's right around the corner. You know, there's so much time in the off season to to think about things and overthink things, and it's just really it's really exciting to have some NFL action coming up. It's coming up so soon, even if it's not on the field. You know, just you know, just give, give gives your team hope at this time of year. You know, even if they're if they're not giving you a reason for hope, but uh, yeah, the the draft is a big uh, it's a big milestone on the NFL calendar, and I can't believe it's almost here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. I mean, as a as a fantasy player, as just a football fan, it gets you revved up. And right around the corner, uh, the season's going to start. You know, I mean, a lot of things speed up because then you got all the you know rookie camps and then the actual camps and this and stuff, this and that going on. So it really starts fast forwarding pretty quick. The season's here before you know it, and it all starts with the draft. So I am definitely excited for that. Um, Agenda-wise, um, you know, we pretty much cleared up space to just talk draft. Uh, we got we strategically uh, figured out a great plan uh, to go over some of the wide receivers uh, in the draft, some top prospects, and then we're gonna we're gonna end on QBs. And uh, we get to hear a return from Captain Carmen. I know he's taking advantage of the Sunday Surefire uh, lenient uh, vacation plan. Uh, so, you know, we're I'm excited to still get him in and get he's got some picks he's going to share with us as well. Um, and then he, and then we got we got a lot of a lot of a lot of content to cover this week. Yeah, for sure. And you know, like I said, big uh, big week with the draft coming up here and. You know, I'm excited to get get Captain Carmen on here so we can get the three of us going, um, you know, for the first time. But you no, know, for you, for just you and me for tonight. So let's hold it down. All right, all right. So yeah, without further ado, we're not going to talk any news. Like I said, we don't want to talk any Sammy Watkins news. We don't even care about yeah. Devo Samuel uh, rumors right now. We're talking straight draft. So we're going to go right into it. Uh, we're going to start off with wide receivers, and I, I mentioned strategy a little bit. Um, this week, uh, I think we got a, you know, pretty bulletproof plan how we want to bring it up. We each picked, um, you know, some of our favorite wide receivers we want to talk about, uh, in, in the draft and kind of like, you know, what we like about them. Uh, I guess everyone's going to kind of find out about that, but you're going to hear a couple from captain Carmen. You're going to hear a couple from me and then, and then, uh, from you and, um, with the commish and then uh what we will do from there is um kind of leave the rest up for you know if you want to hear more uh we're gonna be releasing the blog as well i know the qb blog is already out uh tomorrow morning which is wednesday is going to also have the wide receiver blog which actually it's live now but we're gonna post it on all of our socials and and everything as well so without further ado here's captain carmen with his two Wide receivers. Here's your host, Captain Carmen. Got some picks for you. I know you guys have missed my awesome voice. I know Commission uh, Aaron have done a great job. Uh, so uh, 
I'm away, but I'm going to give you my picks for the uh, dynasty, upcoming dynasty topics. So let's fire right now. We're going to go with our wide receiver picks. So I'm going with uh, David Bell out of Purdue. I'm leaving all the chalk to Kamish and Aaron. I'm going with some of the sneaky guys here. So I like David Bell. I mean, all he did was put up numbers. All he did was put up numbers. I mean, average eight catches, 101 yards per game, and that's the best in his class. Best in the wide receiver class. Uh, at 19, he had 86 catches, 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns. At 19 years old. Um, and then he finished out the year this, this past year with 93 catches, 1,286 yards, and six tutties. The guy has absolutely crushed man coverage, too. He averaged 3.29 yards per route run against man coverage. So I'm going with uh, David Bell. That's my first pick. And for my second pick, I'm going with an uh, unknown guy here, Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. couple reasons why I'm going with the Sky. First off, he is a slant machine, which translates very well in the next level. The guy just wins on slants. Matter of fact, I'll give you some of the numbers. He is uh, best in his class in, slant, in slants. 22.6% of targets on slants, highest in his class. 33.5% in yards on slants, also highest in his class. The guy just wins on slants. So that's something that translates very well at the NFL level, meaning he may not have to worry about as much uh, beating guys down the field if he's doing those intermediate routes. He was also 15 yards per route, fourth in yardage, and third in touchdowns. The guy I mean, coming out of Western Michigan, there's the big question mark is what competition did he face? But I can tell you this, absolutely demon with slants, just a demon with slants. So that translates very well at the next level. You throw someone like him in a Bill Belichick run offense where you line him up in the slant, and he's just all of a sudden a 100-catch machine. So that's, that, that bodes well for him at the next level. Lastly, uh, there's no MMA Minute this week. I got a, a big fight card coming up May 7th, so I'm going to hold on to all my picks for the May 7th card because that one's going to be a gem. I'll probably give a, two parlays, a couple single bets, so I'll get that together for the May 7th card. Everyone, enjoy and peace. All right, and we're back. So those were Carmen's wide receivers, and I guess he, he kind of trusts us to – handle kind of the top tier guys, the one the guys everybody's talking about. He kind of he kind of surprised us with some of these sleeper picks. Uh, you know, kind of you know, uh going that directions, maybe some second round guys to look for, which are always value guys that um, you know, hopefully you can luck out with. But what do you think uh, over Carmen's picks? What, what what about David Bell starting with uh the wide receiver from Purdue? Do you got any thoughts on David Bell? Yeah, uh Obviously, he's really he's really high on him, um, and he's not alone in that department. Bell had a really really big season um, in his junior year, which was his final year at Purdue. Overall, uh, three years of solid production um, up down there in the Big Ten, holding it down. You know, but there's something about him that I just didn't I just didn't really love to be honest with you. And I think a lot of it's got to do with his underwhelming forty time. Uh, the four six five that he put up uh, wasn't even good for top ten in his position group. And I think he's more of a guy who could kind of kind of pencil into an NFL offense as kind of like a fourth or a, maybe a fifth option, um, maybe even a third option uh, if things break well for him, who's kind of more useful to an NFL team, but not so much uh, relevant on the dynasty landscape from week to week. So 
I'm over, not overly high on him. You know, he did mention he was kind of going out on, on, a, on a limb that he'd leave the easy ones to us. But overall, this was not one of my favorite receivers. This feels like a guy who's going to be better, a better college player than he, than he will be in the pros. Yeah. Now the one the one thing I like about Bell is just just the Purdue lately seems like they're they're kind of producing um you know some p- pretty good wide receivers lately seems like you know and, and also playing in the Big Ten too you get you get a lot of good uh competition in the Big Ten as far as DBs go I mean even even um you know my 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 boys over in Iowa they had you know some some of the best secondary in all of college football too so not to mention Ohio State and all that stuff too so um. That's kind of the only thing I got on on Bell that you know at least he's faced some of some top tier college DBs as well. So yeah, hopefully, you know, I think best case for him is he ends up to where he's got a position position battle to win um, that puts him in a good spot, right? Like I want to see a competition with him and him beat him beat somebody out. There, I think he would could exceed crazy. Where if he's like kind of in like a like you said a third or fourth slot. And he kind of just like gets used here and there. That's kind of my thoughts that I, I don't want to see that. But we'll definitely definitely uh, wait and see what, what happens, where he lands and whatnot. But what about what about uh, Sky Moore? The you know, little little engine who could. What, what, what do you think about Sky Moore? Yeah, at 5'10, 195, he really is a, a little engine that could. Um, you know, what, what to say about him though? He he did really blow up uh, the Mac in his final season down there at Western Michigan, Michigan. Um, you know, he would get 95 receptions for almost just under 1300 yards and did put up 10 touchdowns. Uh, his, he did show pretty well in the 40, uh, this four, four, one has, I think it's kind of helped him creep up draft boards a little bit here as we go a little bit uh, deeper into the off season. You know, the guy he's pretty, he's fearless on tape. I'll give him that. You know, he's a guy who's not afraid to go across the middle and take a hit. And those are kind of those players that you get endeared to as a, as a fan of, of a team. Uh, you know, watching football your whole life, but at the same time, that's a really difficult way to, to earn a living. Uh, it's one thing to do it in the MAC; it's another thing to try to do it in, in the NFL at under 200 pounds. So, this is another guy who's kind of late um, on my on my draft radar. Maybe a guy you, you kind of target towards the end of the second round, maybe even early third round of a rookie draft in a superflex league. And uh, my NFL comp for comp for Sky Moore was a guy like Golden Tate. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, it's interesting though. You know, like I, um, you know, kind of depends, you know, is he gonna, is he gonna be one of these great underdog stories coming from those small, small schools, right. Or is that going to get to him where like, does that competition, you know, I talked about with uh, David Bell, at least being in Purdue, you know, going up against, you know, kind of other small schools, is that going to, you know, harm him when he's going up against these NFL DBs, you know, you don't know, um, but we have seen tremendous success with guys like Cooper Cup, you know, coming from those schools too. So you never know, you know, that's what, you know, the, all the scouts and the combine and all that stuff is for. Um, I do know though, that Daniel Jeremiah, you know, one of the top experts and, and uh, talking guys um, in, in the, in the NFL draft, he's one of uh, Daniel Jeremiah's favorites coming out of the draft as far as sleepers go wide receivers. Um you know, I just I kind of I just heard him the other day talk about Sky Moore there. So I'm hearing his name pop up more and more. And, you know, obviously I'm not going to talk down Captain Carmen's, too, because, you know, he's got an eye. But it's also come from Daniel, Daniel Jeremiah, where a lot of experts kind of go and read his analysis as well. Yeah, I hear you on that. There's definitely it's definitely it's, it's what I call flag planting season on a lot of these players where whether it's experts or, you know, anyone really who's just 
they see what they, they, they like what they see on tape or they just get a good feeling about a guy and this is the time to time to get in get in before the bandwagon leaves man you know and though Jeremiah's in on Bell that's great Carmen's in on Bell who knows maybe they'll be maybe they'll be right but I doubt it <laughs> yeah yeah no I mean that's I mean that's why we got all our you know that's why we got our tears and it definitely makes it fun, you know, if you're it, – it also depends if, you know, what kind of team you got too. Like if you got you got a mid to late second, you know, are you a little more deep in your in your fantasy team where you're not like really killing for a wide receiver? Yeah, maybe maybe you want to take a stab at one of those guys and, and watch them develop or just, you know, just hit it off right from the gates too. So um, definitely interesting to see what happens there. So – Kind of moving on from those uh, second round guys, or you know, I don't, I don't know exactly where they'll fall in different different drafts, but I'm, I'm, I think it's safe to say either second or third round is probably pretty, pretty close. Um, we're gonna start talking about the tier, you know, the tier one guys, the first round guys. Um, you know, these are the guys that have been talked out, talked about a lot. Um, you know, where they're gonna go. There's a lot of different opinions out there of you know how high they'll go and, and stuff like that. So. I'm going to kick it off here next. Um, I'm going to bring t- to the two guys together, and I'm going to do this purposely, um, where I'm going to talk Drake London, and then I'm going to talk Traylon Burks. And I got a, I got a reason for that. You kind of see as I kind of dissect them a little bit. But these are two tall, you know, athletic wide receivers, but I view them a little differently, and I think they also have, like, different, different pedigrees, and I, I think different ways they'll be they'll be looked at in, in, in the NFL or maybe used in different offenses too. So keep that in mind as I talk Drake London. And then when I talk Traylon Burks, start thinking Drake London too, from what you heard as well. So I'll kick it off here. So Drake London, wide receiver from USC, age 22. He's a, he's six foot four, 219, right? So um, big body wide receiver, um, very exciting guy to watch. Too. So, you know, I think last week I talked a couple of things I like to do with the, you know, athleticism, you know, where they land, the eyeball test. Um, for me, he passes all three for me. I like his, you know, I like his athletic. Number two, I really like, you know, based on play, I really like any offense you can throw him in, really. And then three, yeah, just the eyeball test with it. You know, you kind of watch how he plays. Very dynamic guy. You can kind of see he's going to be a, a red zone thread, a third down guy as well to, you know, keep the chains going, which is, you know, it's good. More opportunities to get the ball again. Um, one of the biggest things I really like is energy. You know, he puts in a lot of effort. If you, you know, if you do look at his highlights, you do kind of see his style of play is he puts in a lot every play. He, he goes 110%, you know, kind of, you know, that saying uh, as far as that, that energy goes, I really like that about him, right? So I think I think that's actually his number one trait is just his style plan, how hard he plays, the energy he puts up with it. Uh, and like I said, I think some more positive is for me, the, the three things I look at, he passes one, two, three. Um, I don't have that m- many negative aspects with him. I really, like I said, I really like, um, you know, different situations he can be thrown at. I think big body guys, you know, anymore there, you know, they can be, um, you know, the only, I guess talking about it, the only thing is when you're making all those acrobatic catches and, and stuff like that, maybe a durability, it could be a concern where, you, you know, maybe could come down wrong. You see that all the time where, you know, just he goes up and gets something and lands, you know, a little awkward, you know, he, 
hopefully I'm not speaking it into the world uh, that he's become injury prone. I, I really hope not. But that's the only really thing I can potentially see with uh, Drake London. A couple comps here. I think in your in your blog that we're going to be or that's out right now is uh, you compared him to Kenny Galladay. Um, one of my comps, I'm actually thinking a very uh, another a recent guy is Michael Pittman. He's six four as well. Um, he also plays, he's not, you know, he doesn't have like the breakaway speed, but he kind of just makes plays, makes plays happen as well. So that's kind of my, you know, my, my download of, of Drake London, where I really like his energy. Um, I like the, the big play aspect of him. All right. Now next guy, right. With Traylon Burks, another tall wide receiver, six two two twenty five. He ran four five forty. Um, which if you watched him last year, the four or five, you, you, you almost think maybe his, his 40 could have been a, a lack of maybe training. You know, they talk about, you know, doing, doing squats and doing stuff like that to improve that 40 time. If you actually watch him on tape, I think he's got faster speed than four or five, but Hey, being at, at six, two, two twenty five, that's still pretty, pretty nice to have. So if you can imagine, um, you know, obviously his positive traits are his size and his ability. Um, going back to, you know, my three things I always repeat here. The number one with athletic ability, I think it's just awesome. Like he, he can do so much, um, it, you know, in Arkansas, he was obviously the, the most dominant guy, you know, he, he went up against some of the top defenses and still put up great numbers. Um, you know, one, one thing that's a little surprising that I, I felt like, where it's actually a negative. I, I wrote down a negative with him is I actually don't see him um, performing that high against contested balls. And that kind of scares me a little bit with, you know, being that tall and big is that's not really his style. He kind of relies on his speed and, and different gadget plays to get him out in the open. And then, you know, once he gets the ball, then he's hard to tackle and he can break away and whatnot. But I actually don't see him getting, you know, uh, going up and getting it too much and on those contested contested balls, you know, cause so comparing that to Drake London, um, that's kind of the biggest difference I see there. Um, so I think, you know, translating that to, you know, needing a certain type of offense, I think is crucial. So like landing spot with Traylon Burke, I'm really trying to see where he goes with. Now for me, you, you're going to maybe laugh. You're not going to, this guy might not come, you know, he might, this comp you might not think of right away, but I actually sat a long time thinking who I really want to comp Traylon Burks to and nothing came to mind right away until I was like, it hit me. I was like, I know exactly who I want. The big, the best comp I could come up with is Jordy Nelson, right? Um, you don't think about it right away, but Jordy Nelson was a fast guy. He was six, three and ran a four five forty as well. His strengths were like uh, on a lot of design gadget plays to Jordy screens. Um, but talking about landing spots, you know, that, you know, Burks goes to somewhere like the Jets where they don't really have that dynamic offense where they can just throw the ball up to. I don't think he's going to exceed there. Where the funny thing with comping Jordy Nelson is if for if this happens, if he goes to the Packers. And he becomes Jordy Nelson 2.0 with Rodgers, who actually they need a wide receiver we talked about. That is a perfect offense for him, I believe. So those are my two guys.
talk London and Burks together. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you definitely covered a lot of the uh, a lot of the pros for for both of them for sure. So I I guess I'll just harp on some of the some of the negative things uh, <laughs> with, with London. You, know, you mentioned his his physical size and stature and, and winning with that at the college level. And if you turn on the tape, that's absolutely correct. You know that you see him, you know, going up there and, and getting the football when you know when he needs to over over smaller defensive backs. Now, my in all my scouting of this guy, I in the back of my head, this just kept coming back to me, and I feel like I've seen this guy before. You know, he's a pack. He's a he's a pack twelve receiver. You know, he's really physically imposing, and that's and he's using that to be successful. And as a Patriots fan, we went into the draft, into the first round of the draft a couple seasons <laughs> ago, and we drafted a, another Pac-12 guy by the name of Nikhil Harry. Whew. And I just I just watched Drake London out there, and I say, have I ever seen Drake London and Nikhil Harry in the same room? And it just gives me, it gives me a little bit of pause, and mostly because of where you're going to have to invest a draft pick on a guy like a Drake London. Now, this guy's probably going to be one of, if not the first, receivers off the board in your in your dynasty rookie drafts. And when you're drafting in that area, there's there's a lot of pressure on you to get it right. And I think a guy like Drake London, he has some upside because of the size that you mentioned. The comp that you threw out there was the one from my article, Kenny Galladay. Right now, if you hear the name Kenny Galladay, you might have a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth. But it's not it wasn't too long ago that Galladay had a really respectable season. He was a t- uh, receiver six overall. And half PPR back in 2019, then, you know, he did, he was catching passes from Matt Stafford. He caught 11 touchdowns to get there. And he's had a, another WR2 season on his resume as well. So there is a path for guys like London to be fantasy viable, very fantasy viable. In fact, I think landing spots huge with him. If he is able to land with one of these teams that is just really starving for, for a receiver, maybe like Green Bay, like you were kind of mentioning then I, I could be in on, on there for sure. But I'm just a little a little tepid about spending early draft capital on, on a guy like Drake London. And then Traylon Burks, you, you hit on a lot of the uh, the fair criticisms of, of him as well. You know, this is a guy, though, I will say that if you like players who who are really good against quality competition, like he, this guy this guy was dominant in the SEC, which is, you know, a, a big step up from, from the Pac-12. And there was one game in particular that, that really, really impressed me with Burks. That was when it was a late season game. They were going up against number two Alabama, and I don't know if you know this, Aaron, but Alabama is pretty good at football most seasons. <laughs> um, like I said, they were number two in the nation at the time. Ended up in the national championship game. Arkansas was pretty good too coming in. I think they were ranked number 20, 20 or twenty one in the country at the time, and he just absolutely lit up the Crimson Tide defense for eight grabs, one hundred and seventy nine yards, and two touchdowns on the day. You know these type of performances don't happen all that often to a Nick Saban coach defense. And it was really impressive to see him absolutely ball out uh, against good competition. And, and that's what you're looking for. I'm pretty high on Burks as well. The one negative thing that I've seen a couple of scouts point out is that they're worried a little bit worried about his playing weight. Like you said, he's 225, so he's a bigger receiver. Um, his, his 40 didn't bother me a ton because he was playing. You know, he, he plays it at a bigger weight, so the 4-5 is okay. But it's one of those things we'll have to manage as his career, career, career continues to avoid being something like the next Calvin Benjamin where he's eating himself out of the league. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair point, and yeah, you definitely. I mean, Kelvin <laughs> started off with a bang, but then you know left pretty left pretty uh you know pretty much with nothing. So um, that's a fair point to say um, for sure. I remember that Alabama game too. I remember I actually had money line with Arkansas that game, and it looked like they're gonna win it too. They were winning with the last. I want to say last. It was like a last 
play win, I want to say. It came down to the last play with Alabama. Arkansas had it. But, yeah, I definitely remember that game. I was cheering for Burks the whole time. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, Alabama came through with the win. But I, I now that you mentioned it, I do remember that game. Yeah, that was a tightly contested game. And I'll just jump right into my, my group of wide receivers here. And let's stay on that game for a second. Because Traylon Burks was not the only quality wide receiver prospect on the field that day. There was a guy on the other side of the field who also had a, had a good day as well. And you could actually he had, he had a better day, and his team came out with the win. Uh, this guy's name is Jamison Williams. And on that same day against you know, going head-to-head with Traylon Burks and the number 21 Arkansas Razorbacks, had also had eight catches, but for a buck 90 and three touchdowns in that game. So, you know, Arkansas isn't necessarily uh, – you know, the, a, a top team every year, but they had a pretty good squad going into that game last year. And, and William, Jamison Williams just ate, ate, ate them up, man. Like he was, he was awesome that day. And it wasn't a one-off for him either. The guy had 79 receptions on 50, over 1500 yards and 15 touchdowns for the Crimson Tide last season. You know, the guy, you know, you got pop pop in the tape with this guy. He absolutely explodes into his routes and, you know, the, the DBs in the SEC were, were trying to give him a little bit of cushion to kind of, kind of prevent against just straight off getting blown by on the line. And he just made these guys pay for it. You know, this guy, he's, he's cooking defensive backs in the interme- intermediate and deep parts of the field. And it seemed like the longer the pattern he was running, the more separation he was creating, which I absolutely love if he ends up in a spot with a quarterback that's not afraid to, to air it out, let him run under it and go get it. And I think he has uh, some serious – he has some serious potential at the next level. And I think if he hadn't suffered what, what uh, was a torn ACL in the national title game, that we might be talking about him as the top receiver heading into this into this class because I think he's a guy who would have crushed his athletic testing, and I, I probably would have vaulted him up to the to maybe even as high as number one on the wide receiver list. But you know the, the reality here is to, to talk to negatives. He did have that ACL at a really inconvenient time for his draft stock. You know, AC, the national championship game is played in the first week of January, so it's going to make it a tough turnaround for him to get back just get back on the field in his, during his rookie season. You know, a lot of these guys are coming back in eight or so months from ACL injuries, but you know, this guy's a rookie. He's never been in a pro pro playbook before. He only had one season at Alabama, and you know it, it's going to be really tough to see him making any real any serious fantasy impact, at least in the early parts of the season. So, if this is a guy that you're selecting in your rookie draft, you just have to know that going in, and that he's not he might not return value for you right away, like we've seen some of these other other receivers have in, in past years. We've kind of really been spoiled the last handful of seasons with quality wide receivers producing from day one. And like I mentioned, he was only at Bama for one season. And before that, he was actually at Ohio State for two years. And he had to transfer away from Ohio State just to get a shot because there's just such a crowded group of pass catchers, um, you know, that are that are, that are are playing for the Buckeyes. And uh, for NFL comp, Aaron, you're really going to like this one. I don't know if you had an opportunity to check out what I posted this afternoon on the blog, but it was Will Fuller. <laughs> Woohoo! All right. <laughs> you know, just a guy who can actually like streak down the field and get open. Um, we're going to hope that Williams is, is the healthy version of Will Fuller. Um, so far, he's not cousin quite. So far, like he's that, not. He's already <laughs> suffered an ACL injury. Good comp. Okay. <laughs> um, but you know, when Will Fuller is on the field, man, he's a guy you, you got to get in your lineup. And I think Williams can, um, you know, can really do something at the next level. Is there anything you want to chime in on him before I move on to my next guys? No, I think you, I think that's awesome. I, I like Williams and, um, you know, to that point, if, if he's in a, you know, I liked your point where you're saying he, he sometimes in dynasty where if you got a rookie wide receiver, they don't really start blooming until like week six, week seven, week eight. And that's also the time when your buys start too. So those guys can really come in handy. 
um, yeah, coming on the, you know, joining the right team, the right flow and everything, returning from that injury. If it's like midseason, like you said, like I can see that happening. I do like his talent as well. So um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of uh, Williams. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the guy, too. I think he's going to be, be a great pro. But I, I mentioned that he it did take him, you know, moving schools to get an opportunity. And that was a really co- uh, crowded wide receiver group there at Ohio State. And so, and that's actually where we're going to go for the, the next couple of guys here. And the first one I'm going to start with here is Garrett Wilson, uh, six feet tall, 183, like I said, out of Ohio State. Uh, this is another guy who plays really aggressively. Um, he shows really good breakaway speed when running away from defensive backs in the Big Ten. And that was just, that was really just confirmed with this 40 time, uh, 438 uh, that, that he ran. And that, and that was really good to see kind of what you see on tape meshing with what the athletic testing comes out with, which is awesome. Uh, he kind of he can get going really quickly as well, and really just put those DBs in catch up mode right off the rip, uh, which makes it really hard for to to stick with a guy like that who has such great speed. He did break the thousand yard mark, and like I said, he was playing in a crowded wide receiver room. Uh, he was sharing that room with Chris Olave, who we'll get to in a, in a minute here. And also, I'm not sure how how deep into your 2023 rookie draft prep you are, Aaron, but Jackson Smith Nigigba uh, uh, was absolutely crushed it at Ohio State last season for to the tune of 1600 yards. So this guy is another beast coming out of Ohio State. We have to wait an, an extra year <laughs> to get our hands on him, unfortunately. But, you know, just just to, to barely crack the thousand yard mark with such crowded skill players around you was really impressive for me for Garrett Wilson. I think overall he's got the safest floor of among wide receivers in this class before we know the landing spots. I think pretty much no matter where this guy ends up, I think he's going to be a guy for – uh, for a long time, was going to be flirting with that uh, back end WR or sorry, early end WR two numbers, and maybe a couple years will creep into your the R, uh, WR one range. Which you know, if, if you're picking early in the draft, if you want, if you like safety, this is kind of the guy for you to for you to pick out. Uh, a couple weaknesses in this game, though, uh, his route running ability it, it's it's all there, all the tools are there, but it's not quite as refined as you'd like to see it. I think he'd really benefit from ending up in a spot with a veteran receiver coach who can really kind of hone in and harness all that raw potential that he has. Um, he just kind of relied on some other factors of his game to get open more so than just you know, running precise routes and not to clean some of that up at the next level. And there's just a couple, couple other little things here. Just too many focus drops. You know, the guy, he does all the hard work. He gets himself open. He beats his defender. And he just doesn't look the football into his hands at times. And that's kind of something that you see a lot from younger players as they transition into, into the pros, you know, if you remember all the talk going into week one last year was that Jamar Chase forgot how to catch the football <laughs> yeah. and what a horrendous stripes opinion. on the ball or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, what a horrendous opinion that was, you know, just a couple of weeks later. Um, so, you know, it, some of these things happen with young players and drops aren't really the biggest deal for fantasy purposes, but if he is starting his career kind of with the, with, with the case of the dropsies, it can get, it could get you him into some trouble. Especially with the, if he has a, a coach that kind of has a no tolerance policy for that when it comes to younger players, so just something to be mindful of there. But overall, not not the biggest deal in the world. And the comp I had for him was a guy like T.Y. Hilton, just a little bit taller guy who can use his win with the speed and could also kind of pluck the ball out uh, when the ball was away from his frame. So that's my my take on Wilson. Now I mentioned we were going to talk about one other Ohio State receiver, and that was Chris Olave. I mentioned his name previously. Uh, six feet tall, 187. This guy spent four years in Ohio State with the Buckeyes. Uh, never cracked the 1,000-yard threshold, mostly due in part to the, the crowded room he was playing in. He did hit uh, 936 in the receiving yards department last season and did score. He had two seasons of 12-plus touchdowns. He scored 12 as a sophomore and, and 13 as a senior last season. And the guy's just a really smooth route runner. And, and if you pop the tape in, he just looks effortless out there. Like he's kind of gliding around the football field. 
he's a really good mix of being on time on his routes. And he's also pretty good at kind of when the, when the quarterback goes into scramble mode, he's, he's good at getting himself into areas where, where he can, he basically just pops open, even if he's covered initially. So if, if he links up with a quarterback who can, who can move around a little bit and extend some plays, I think that would really mesh pretty well with a lot of his skill set. And the, you know, like I said, it hurts you in the receiving department when you play with so many of the good receivers, but it also kind of brings to the forefront if you're, you know, the wins that you do have on the field, is that because you're a, a really talented player or is that because you're you're looking at second, third, maybe in four-tier coverage depending on depending on the, the personnel group you have on the field? So that's kind of just a, a little bit of a question mark at this point if that was – a lot of his success was due to that. Uh, and then his overall strength level is another question mark, and it could cause some problems when he goes up against bigger corners at the next level, particularly those guys who are pretty good at getting jams in on, on players. Like I said, he's only 187. So it doesn't necessarily mean um, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a problem for him. It's just something to monitor going forward. And he's not going to be strong in the in the in the running game in terms of blocking. So it could uh, it could that's another thing that could get him in the doghouse early in his career if he's not able to come in and at least get the job done at an adequate level uh, in those spots. And the NFL comp for him, as I had, maybe this is an easy one because they're both uh, Buckeyes, but I had Terry McLaurin, just a little bit lighter version of him, um, a guy who has shown he can. I'd say he's, he's, he's a one at the NFL level, uh, just really hasn't been unlocked with the right quarterback play. So hopefully Alave can land in a spot that's a little bit better uh, than McLaurin has had to deal with thus far in his career. Gotcha. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, comparing the Ohio State wide receivers there, um, I think I like Wilson better. I mean, you know, all the all the scouts are also, like, pointing to Wilson. Hey, like, don't forget about him. Um, you know, they, they – they, if you look at many mock drafts, a lot of them are, are, are you know, rating them higher than Olave. Um, I think Olave is a like perfect situation for him is if he doesn't have too much, too much pressure on him to where like maybe he lands at a perfect like wide receiver two on the depth chart spot to where he can just be like a plug and play guy. He's safe. He's gonna get you some, you know, some. Um, he's gonna overperform, right? Like more than what's expected. Whereas Wilson, um, as you mentioned, I, I, I'm hoping, you know, like the pressure doesn't get to him to where if he lands or like where he's expected to be the one. Um, that's where I can possibly see where Alave may be the safer play. Um, I do like both of them. I think Wilson's probably worth more of the gamble. But if you want a safer play, my opinion is Alave. If that makes yeah, sense. I think that's I think that's pretty fair to say, opinion wise. I I did t- have the other opposite. I actually have the opposite opinion on it, though. I hear where you're coming from. I really do. I just think Garrett Wilson is is a guy who, no matter where he lands, I think he's going to be he's going to bring you that high floor and not quite as much upside. Whereas I think Alave is there's more a little bit more of the the long term upside for him, but I think the floor is also a lot lower too. Um, you know, mm-hmm. th- that's why it's good to do these exercises. Just you kind of get different viewpoints on guys and people see different things on film and, and their metrics and all that. And this, this wide receiver group, it's pretty, you could say it's top heavy, but it's a pretty, it's pretty deep tier on the top and landing spots are really going to jumble these, these, uh, these spots around, but these guys actually end up going in your rookie drafts. And I, I, I think I could see a path where if, if the landing spot is much better for a lave compared to a guy like a Garrett Wilson, I could see maybe drafting him earlier. But I think at this moment, right now in time, I'm pretty entrenched on Garrett Wilson as my number one overall wide receiver off the board in this class. Yeah, no, I I kind of like 
I think we're seeing like similar and different views at the same time too. Like I think Wilson has the overall better talent. Um, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, yeah, maybe a week from now we're completely different views with some of these different guys and, and why not? Like one of us may hate where they land up and may have a different opinion during that, you know, too. So like, it's always fun to kind of get this prep going and kind of seeing what, you know, but it's also important to do it because if you don't do this and a guy lands somewhere, you may have, you may done, you know, have done enough research to get that. It's going to, you know, scare you away from a guy, right? Like you may have that, you know, internal niche to like go against the GM's decision at that point where, you know, you know, you can definitely make, you know, I'm hearing, hearing more and more where some, you know, how they select some of these guys at some point, it becomes a, a coin flip at some point. Right. So, um, it's definitely, like you said, definitely a good exercise to go to because it could change your opinion come draft day. Yeah, for sure. You got to keep, you got to keep on it. And it's good to see post draft, you know, the reasons why they like these guys, why they thought they were a good scheme fit, things like that. You know, once the draft comes and goes, you're not just kind of off the hook with these things, you know, see how it pans out. But, you know, there's definitely a, a lot to, to, to discuss with this class. We, I think, was a pretty good overview on the wide receiver group so far. Uh, there's a, a few other guys I did a write-up on, on on our blog that's up there. That's sundaysurefire.com slash blog. And two of the big guys that we didn't get a chance to, to cover in depth here but could be day one or, or certainly day two picks are guys like Christian Watson out of North Dakota State and Kenny Pick, uh, and uh, sorry George Pickens out of the uh, University of Georgia, won a national title there with the, the Bulldogs last year. And those are two guys that, like I said, could get pretty early NFL draft capital that are worth reading up on, but you'll have to check out our blog to, to see all that. Yep. I, I second that. I second that. Yeah, Pickens is definitely a guy I got my eye on <laughs> as well, too. Um, yeah, definitely exciting to see where some of these guys end up. Um, but, yeah, definitely a lot of talent. I think we're going to keep seeing it. I mean, college is really throwing out these wide receiver prospects. I think good thing about rookie drafts is you can almost always count on some pretty good wide receivers. You know, they're, they're almost always going to be pretty deep, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I think almost every year is the year of the wide receiver, <laughs> uh, especially with how the NFL trends to be now. We're, you know, it's a pass-happy league and whatnot, too. So I think it's worth the time to really do as much research as you can over the wide receiver group, for sure. Um, but yeah, moving on from that. So yeah, as, as uh, the commission said, yeah, check out that blog. To, you know, if you want some more detailed write-ups over some of these guys or some guys we didn't cover as well. But moving on, we're gonna we're gonna uh, talk some QBs too. We're not, uh, you know, similar strategy. We're not gonna drain every guy. Uh, but yeah, we do have the blog up for QBs as well. Uh, but with with um, you know, kind of switching gears again in that direction, we're gonna hear from Captain Carmen again and kind of get what QB he likes. So uh, let's hear from Captain next. Once again, I'm leaving the chalk to Aaron Brown and Kamish. I'm letting them have the easy work. I'm going with the guys that aren't quite chalk. So I'm going with Mr. Carroll out of Ole Miss. 10-2 and two this year, which is a solid record playing in the SEC, right? That's where the big boys play. He has impressive zip on short and intermediate passes. His mobility is also... Uh, unbelievable. So he's a dual threat quarterback. And those are the guys that the NFLs are looking at now. He had 1,120 rushing yards in 23 games in the SEC. Let me repeat that. In the SEC, playing against the big dogs, right? So he's a dual threat. 
Uh, his mental toughness is also something that speaks well for him. In all four of his losses, he came back the very next week and played out of his mind. So that also translates well to the next level. It shows that he can let something go, come right back, and, and reset and, and play uh, top level here. Um, I just like Carroll. I think he was considered one of the top guys until, you know, Malik went off. And I still think Carroll might end up being the best quarterback in this class. I, I can put him somewhere in the realm of um, a compliment maybe to uh, Josh Allen with the ability to move and throw. All right, we're back here. Um, so what are you thinking about Matt Carell? Uh, Car Captain Carmen again, not going, you know, top, top, top tier again. Um, what's your thoughts on Matt Carell? Yeah, Carmen, uh, you know, known the guy for a few years now, and, and he always he always seems to have that contrarian opinion. And this one wasn't too, too far out on a limb like he, he did. He mentioned Carell has had some re really impressive numbers in a really competitive conference. And a lot of these defenders in the SEC are going to be playing on Sundays in the future. So to put up the, t the stats that he did, over 3,300 yards, 20 touchdowns, and back-to-back -back seasons in the SEC really is impressive. Um, you know, he's he's a solid player. Like you said, had some good team success. The 10-3 and record last year was great to see. And, you know, the only thing about him is that he's kind of got a slender frame. And there's some questions as to whether he can stand up to, to the, the punishment that will be dished out by NFL pass rushers. Um, he was really good operating out of the RPOs last year, which is, which was good if he lands on a team that, that utilizes those types of looks. But, you know, if he doesn't, it's going to be a big adjustment for him in the NFL. I, I think he's a guy who might benefit from spending some time sitting and watching. And he's not totally on my radar, but he's a guy that if he does, if he were to slip into maybe the late first round or the, or the early second round, he's a, a guy I could see myself grabbing in super flex formats. Yeah. Yeah, no, I – you know, even I want to say even before, you know, the hype of the rookie draft, I really like Matt Crow. Like he actually was the guy, one of the guys I was going to talk about, too. Um, I loved watching him all, all year. I loved betting on his games that overs hit all the time because he <laughs> put up points. So um, he definitely, you know, I like, you know, looking at the QBs this year, you know, we don't really have like the top, you know, schools competing at, you know, um, in, in you know, that we're highlighting here, right? So out of the top QBs coming from Ole Miss, you know, that's one of the bigger name um, conferences he's playing in. Um, I do like that. But at the same time, I, I, you can also talk about that where he's not coming from Alabama and he led an Ole Miss team to being, um, you know, a top, you know, I think what was their, their best ranking, like 12? Was that the highest they went or did they go below 12? I, I think they kind of capped out around the 10 mark. So 12 sounds about right. Okay. So I like that. And that's, you know, just for the fact that, like I said, they're not a Clemson. They weren't an Ohio State. But, like, Corral is the reason they were that high, right? Like, if you watch them, like, he, it was hard to count them out just because they had him. So I think he translates. Um, I think he – I'm worrying about him the least over translating to the NFL, honestly, after looking at – all the um, QBs this year, um, I, I do like him a lot. Um, so that's that's kind of my my thinking with him. You know, as far as landing spots, I, I agree with you. I think it'd be awesome to see him like go with like somebody like the Colts, where he can maybe take a little bit of notes from uh, Matty Ice, 
Um, you know, that I, I know a lot of us want to see him be like a year one starter, but if he went to like a, a team where he's in a great position to succeed, learn from a good veteran and then take over the reins. Like he could have a solid career and, and, and I could, I could see that. Um, yeah, man. It's so funny that you say that. Cause I was, I was listening to Carmen's cuts um, in the car actually the other day and prep prepping for the show. And well, I hear him talk about Matt Corral. It kind of it, a lot of it jive with what I'd, I'd seen about him, and I actually thought to myself in my head, this would be the Colts would be an awesome landing spot for a guy like this because he can. <laughs> he had a lot of he had a lot of run in college. He, he started uh, for three seasons at Ole Miss, so he has that really solid foundation. But if you were to put him behind a guy like a Matt Ryan to learn, like you said, I think that'd be super helpful. Uh, as a Patriots fan, I won't I won't say many good things about the Colts. I really won't. And the you know the random one off championship they won with Peyton Manning and Tony Dungy just simply not good <laughs> enough. But uh, you know I I'm actually going to say something nice about them. I think their current regime with Chris Ballard at the GM and Frank Wright they have a clue, and I think they have their stopgap guy Matt Ryan for their competitive roster that they have right now. But to plug a guy like a Matt Corral on the bench and park him there, I think that would be a really good long term play for them. So I think it's something crazy. Like five, they've had five different starting quarterbacks start yeah. with them on week one in the last five years. Like that's insane. Like you can't build a program that way and, and expect to have success in the long term. So I think they kind of have their last stopgap quarterback. If they if they go this route, they have their last stopgap quarterback and Matt Ryan for a couple seasons, and they can pivot over to a guy like Matt Corral. So I didn't I didn't expect us to kind of go in that direction here. But that was <laughs> it's crazy they said that, right? Yeah, I mean yeah. we're all we're all we're kind of on the same page there, and it's funny, you know. I I think. You know, that happens a lot. You know, I, I think Carmen and I do that too, or we, we say, you know, we finish each other's sentences with, with football too. So we might be on to something. Um, if you see him go, Andy, I mean, that's, that's a gem. So that's a, that's a, I'm thinking that's a big, big pick too. So, um, all right. So let's move on from Matt. Uh, what do you got for your first uh, QB you want to talk? Sure. This, this next guy was another guy who spent a great deal of time in college. He actually played, played in for over the course of five different seasons. Uh, he was given a redshirt year after his freshman year, so he did play for. Um, he was a full time starter for four seasons at the at Pittsburgh, and that's Kenny Pickett, six three two seventeen, and he really he was pretty s- solid, you know, kind of okay his first three seasons as a starter, but really blew up in his senior season for the Panthers. He was uh, forty three hundred passing yards to go along with forty two passing touchdowns and seven picks. Uh, over the course of the 13 game season, um, you know the guy. Like I said, there's no other way to say it other than he blew up in his senior year. And I was in my prep for him when I was I was I was kind of looking at, at a couple different things, and I just saw like award after award list, and it's almost like someone showed up with a, dr- a dump truck at his house and just kind of dropped off all these trophies into his, in his driveway. <laughs> you know, he won the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award, the Senior Class Award, First Team All American, First Team All ACC, ACC Player of the Year, so on and so forth. Like this guy. You know, he took over college football by storm, you know, somewhat last season. And, you know, there was the the concerns early on about his, his small hand size, but I think that's really just more so a, a component of, you know, us having a, nothing but time in the offseason to kind of nitpick everything and go through it all. <laughs> the guy played really well in some poor weather games last season. And for those that don't know, Pitt plays a number of their home games at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. And I don't know if you've ever been to Pittsburgh, Aaron. I have. I've been to a game at Heinz Field in December. And it's pretty unforgiving out there. Like, <laughs> right. It's, it's the atmosphere. It's a phenomenal. It's a phenomenal football atmosphere. But to try to grip a football and chuck it around in place like that, right on the river, you know, that's that's pretty brutal. And he, he showed pretty well in those games. So I, I'm not really too worried about his, his hand size at the next level. Uh, it was a, real, a pretty accurate tight spiral with solid arm strength to kind of fit that ball into the tight windows where, when he needs to, when he has a good base to work from. 
Uh, he did develop some bad habits in college, and I think a lot of that was due to poor protection for his linemen around him. And you know, he, at some at some points, he does have happy feet in the pocket. Kind of maybe I don't want to say he's quite seeing ghosts, but you know, he's kind of he thinks he might be under duress, but he's not. It kind of speeds him up a little bit. And it tends to also drift outside the pocket rather than step up and climb it. You know, kind of trying to avoid those hits where he just gets cleaned out completely. But I think he's kind of missed some opportunities when when you watch him on tape to where he can maybe step up and even if he's taking the hit, deliver a, a downfield strike to, to get a big chunk play. And the other thing that popped out to me too, um, I guess I don't really like many of his teammates because his receivers also dropped a lot of passes, <laughs> uh, which I think kind of led him more to start putting the ball on the receivers rather than lead them into space where he can where they can run and make plays after the catch. You know, there's only so many times you can get hit hit back there before you don't trust your offensive lineman, and only so many times you can really trust your receivers to go get it before they they start letting you down. But the the big thing too is he also took way too many sacks. He, he started he's a 48 games as a full time starter. He took 105 sacks, and um, in Pittsburgh, and that's just really not okay. He's just got he's got to learn that it's okay to chuck the ball into the stands and fight another down than it is to stand in there and try to make a play because those. Those sacks for NFL teams, especially on second and third down, they're drive killers. You know, they, they put you behind the chains and and then you get those those defensive coordinators dialing up those exotic blitzes and coming after you. And it just it just puts your team in a negative spot. So that's one thing he's got to clean up to be a little bit better going forward. But overall, this guy, I think he's you think he's gonna be a first round pick. And it'd be great if he could land in a spot where he can he can compete to start right away. And his NFL comp I had was a guy like an Andy Dalton, which is another guy who's gonna sound gross right now too. You know the average fan, but people forget that Andy Dalton was actually pretty solid to start his career. I think he had a top five QB finish once, and he had a number of seasons where he was giving you, you know, mid range to high end QB two numbers. And in a super flex league, that's pretty valuable if you can find if you can spend a first round pick and get a quality starter that you can plug into your lineup every week for six seven years. You know that that's well a, a pick well spent in the first round. So it's you know like I said, there's not really like a, a home run quarterback in this draft. But I think Pickett's a pretty solid guy near the top of the board. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty good at analysis. And he, he kind of hit on his biggest thing that people talk about is his, his hand size, where I think you said the, the best counterpoint was he played a pit, right? So, I mean, he he's went through those weather conditions. And, and the f- ironic thing about that all that I think is, is, is funny is um, Pittsburgh Steelers – also kind of need a, a quarterback too. Mm-hmm. And they, they're kind of, um, you know, they, they do have like, uh, what is it? They're in the 20, I think they're in the 20 range for the first round this, this year, I want to say where, you know, you mentioned it that, you know, I don't think a lot of the, the QBs are going to go that early where he could be there. You know, is that a safe play, you know, to, um, to, to go pick it with, with Pittsburgh and kind of give that, QB battle between him and uh, uh, Trubisky, right? Um, to where you know he, he, that might be some healthy competition. It's also safe. You know he's played in the field. It, you know it could be a hometown fan as well. You know, for, it sounds funny, but like the you know the GMs take you know the marketing into consideration too. So um, it, those things kind of fit. Where you know if he lands with the Steelers, it might not be a bad play. Um, you know, like considering they could be QB happy going back and forth to where it might be one of those situations where if he lands in a spot where he's not the number one QB, he's kind of high enough talked about guy to where, you know, maybe that first injury 
um, happens for the QB that's not even that substantial. They might throw Pickett in there just to get a taste of him. Um, so I I think if you want some value in your one, I think Pickett's going to get some on-the-field playing time. Um, regardless, I mean, he might not be the all-year starter, possibly, depending on a couple landing spots, but he's certainly one of the top guys. Um, and... I think if he lands with the Steelers, then you kind of I think you double down a little bit on how you value him compared to the other uh, QBs. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, kind of moving on here. Um, my guy I'm going to talk about here is Malik Willis from where Liberty, right? So <laughs> this guy um, kind of flew under the radar as far as like prospects, at least for me. I mean, it, maybe if you did a lot of scouting, you know, up to the up up till now and um, you're huge into college sports. I mean, he was, um, you know, was definitely one of the best athletes and probably the best athlete as a, as a quarterback, um, six, you know, six foot, um, he threw for just only over 2,800 yards, uh, through 27 touchdowns, 12 picks. Um, one thing though, he, he was fairly inefficient throwing about 61%, completing 61% of his throws. Um, you know, that one right there kind of scares me a little bit. Um, but, you know, a lot of fantasy owners out there, they're kind of drooling because you want to find that next Lamar Jackson, right? So you, when you watch his highlights, when you see his plays, he can extend plays, he can run. He, he actually has a surprisingly big, um, you know, big strong arm to where, you know, I'm thinking some of that 61%, it's not really due to his arm talent. You know, if you're watching him at the um, combine and whatnot, it's kind of, you know, does that have to do with, you know, not being in a pro- high prolific um, offense, you know, big name school with having, you know, some of those, you know, coaches to kind of groom them a little bit better in a, maybe a NFL, you know, offense and what like, you know, whatnot like that. So um, that could maybe be a little um, part of that as far as why he threw 12 picks and, you know, his completions a little bit lower. But, hey, I want to talk some positives, too. I mean, he definitely passes the athletic ability. People were oohing and on him at, at the the um, combine as well. Um, you know, he passes passes that. Um, he passes the eyeball test too. So he's a fun guy to watch. Watch his tape on. Um, you know, watch his highlights. Um, he does dance around. So you want you always wonder. You know, like you kind of see Mahomes doing that where he's successful at it. But can everyone have that? Um, you know, vision in the pocket to stay alive where. You see it a lot of times it gets some quarterbacks in trouble where they're fumbling, getting sacked and whatnot too. But on the positive side of that, like you want a dual threat quarterback in fantasy where, you know, you're not always just trying to find a QB that's going to win you games because you don't really care. You don't really care if the quarterback always is going to win the game. You want them, you want them to put up fantasy points, right? So that's what we're kind of looking at. Um, You know, I think, you know, you kind of wanting him to land on a, a at a place like maybe Seattle, where you know he could be a day one starter. You want to see what he's got, but then at the same time, maybe for his whole career, if you're talking from an NFL perspective, you might want to have him sit down and watch, take some notes and whatnot, and and set off set a year as well. So you kind of, for me, Willis, I'm kind of on the like I go both sides of the fence on a lot where he's got all this talent in the world. I mean, he was an Auburn, um, you know, prospect, you know, being a, a freshman at Auburn, he did want to get, you know, become a star, you know, transfer into a smaller school too. So, I mean, he did get some looks, 
starting off with um, Auburn as well. Um, I think on your write-up, you have Tyrod Taylor um, for a comp. You know, I'm also thinking I want to throw out RG3 as well, where, you know, RG3 was kind of looked at as a dual threat, you know, kind of big arm guy. Um, But the thing, the biggest comp with RG3, not just his athletic ability, with RG3's detriment, I always thought was um, landing with Washington and having to compete with Cousins and, and that offense where Shanahan wanted him to be a pocket QB before the time that the the scramblers kind of took off, and that was like what the NFL moved to. So I think that kind of killed his career. Where um, it might depend on what they try to do with him out on his landing spot. Are they going to want to try to force him to be more of a pocket passer, which is kind of shown in history might not work out. You know, do what do what you excel with too. So. I think I really want to see where he lands. I think a really great spot would be Seattle. That's what I would be hoping for. If he lands in Seattle, I would definitely make him a first-round pick and take the gamble with him just on all that uh, athletic um, you know, potential. Um, but that's what I got with uh, Malik Will. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, he covered a lot there, and I agree with, with just about all of it. You know, He was at Auburn, like you said, for a couple seasons. He barely got on the field for them. He was competing with uh, Jared Stidham at the time. And uh, Stidham, by, by the, the end of his time at Auburn, kind of had a, a stranglehold in that job. So he left for the opportunity to go to Liberty. Like you said, um, you never really know who you're playing with at a small school like that, which could have led to some inaccuracy problems. And I think I think Willis is really interesting because I think he's he's the, the swing for the fences guy at quarterback. And if you're playing in a, in a super flex league, if you see a guy like Will Willis land in a place like Seattle or maybe, maybe Carolina, where he's going to have the opportunity to get on the field right away, I think it's going to create more urgency for dynasty managers to go get this guy. And I think in Superflex formats, he could very well be the first quarterback off the board just, just due to that upside that you mentioned. I, I mentioned it in the write-up. I call it the, uh, the Konami Code uh, quarterback. And <laughs> that's kind of a term that's been more of a recent thing in dynasty where we're talking about those quarterbacks who can give you that dual-threat ability as both a passer and a rusher. And I think if he hits his absolute upside ceiling, uh, he's, going to be, he's going to definitely going to be a guy who falls into that you know, kind of into that mold. And if he gets good draft capital, you know, early to mid first round, he's going to get every opportunity to succeed. And even like you said, even if he isn't winning games necessarily, he's going to be out there for a few years. And if he's running around, that's good for your fantasy team. So big, uh, big potential on this guy. I could also see, see him being a bust down the line as well. So if you're okay with taking risks and you have a relatively early first round pick and you need a quarterback in the Superflex format, don't be afraid to take a shot on this guy. Makes sense. Makes sense. Cool. Yeah, we got one more quarterback to talk about here. And this guy, um, he's another really productive college quarterback uh, from North Carolina. This is Sam Howell, uh, 6'1", 218. Uh, The guy started for three seasons at the University of North Carolina. And crazy enough, when I was reading up on this guy, one of the things that you you learned about him is that he actually started as a true freshman. And he even played three games at the age of 17. I don't know. I don't know what you were doing at 17, Aaron, but I was not ready to go up against future NFL monsters on defense. (laughs) Um, Just a ton of, just ton of poise, really good leader. And he just, he showed it, he showed it a little bit of everything at the college level Um, in his sophomore and freshman seasons. The guy threw for 35 plus hundred yards and 30 plus touchdowns. And in 2020, he had a lot of really good skill players around him. And they had, it was uh, uh, Demi Brown, Daz Newsom, Javante Williams, and Michael Carter, which are all guys that were drafted in the NFL in the 2021 draft. And when he had those guys on his team, he, he did really well. You know, 30-plus touchdowns, like I mentioned. 
And then the next season, he lost all those guys to the draft. And they didn't, Carolina didn't really have an immediate replacement for those players. So the burden kind of shifted away from him as a passer and more onto him as a runner. And he had 828 rushing yards for 11 touchdowns as a junior in his final season in North Carolina, which didn't really translate to earlier in his career, but it was really nice to see that part of his game pop up. And this is a guy who, if we rewound about a year ago and we said, hey, we're going to do a way too early mock draft for 2022 in a Superflex League, this, this is a guy who would be in the conversation for the top quarterback off the board. I think some people were a little scared off of the fact that he had some aggression for between his sophomore and junior seasons. He says his uh, interceptions screwed up a little bit. The touchdown totals dropped off some. But that ability as a rusher that he showed was really impressive to me. And it actually kind of vaulted him up a little bit higher, in my opinion. And I think he's being overlooked right now. He's a guy you could probably get a good value on, especially if he goes to a place where he might not start right away. Um, the people where it might really be off him. But I think this kid's going to get an opportunity somewhere along the line. He's going to be really good when he gets it. He um, He's not perfect, though, by any means. His deep ball needs a little bit of work. It comes out of his hand a little bit flat, and it's late getting out there, which is a big problem at the NFL level. Well, it's ball hawking secondary. Guys can just, can just go up and get it if, you, if you don't, you're not on time with those throws. And at 6'1", he kind of might fall off some team's radar. You know, it's still kind of one of those things where some there's certain teams that they want the bigger QB that can see over the line really well and, and chuck the ball around. Not as, not as big of a deal as it used to be, but some teams, I think, still operate with that mentality. And he takes too many sacks waiting for plays to develop, kind of like Pickett. He'll he'll, uh, he'll stand in there, uh, and, and he'll just pat the ball, ball too, too many times before he gets it out of his hand, which is something that, you know, like we, like we discussed with Pickett, you, you kind of just got to get that ball out of there, even if you're fighting to live another down. And the comp I had for Hal was a guy like a Baker Mayfield, but with a little bit more mobility. Um, you know, Baker kind of lit it up statistically passing and didn't do as much in the rushing department. But I think Hal showed enough when he had quality pieces around him that he can beat you with his arm. And then he also showed in his, his final season at Chapel Hill that he could beat you with his legs as well. So this is another interesting pro- uh, prospect to keep an eye on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, I think Hal's very interesting. I mean, I think when I, you know, when I was just watching him in the in the combine too, like he's he's going, you know, one one from one with a lot of these guys. Where you know, I think similar to what he was dealt with with adversity, where you know, losing some of his weapons and turning to the run game. I think like he he can kind of show up at at the right times. So that's a kind of a cool intangible about him to where you that might have caught you know, the eye of, of scouts or GMs or, or something like that to where, you know, you, you might have like a Daniel Jones situation where some GM may want to take a stab at him much earlier than what, you know, he maybe should go. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've seen, we've seen like prospects like this, like Excel when, you know, pre-draft, you, you know, you don't really expect, expect that. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think overall, my my opinion with a lot of these QBs is, um, you know, we say it a lot, but this one, this year, this specific year is more um, landing spot dependent, in my opinion. Um, yeah, it, it probably also depends if you're in a super flex, you know, standard leagues as well, um, to where you know he's probably going to be in the in the third round in a in a standard league. I would I would think, but then yeah, super flex depending on if, you know, if a team wants to really take a big shot at him, then yeah, he could definitely raise, raise up the boards in your, in your fantasy draft. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we covered a lot of guys here, receivers um, and quarterbacks. Last week we touched on the tight ends and the, 
and the running backs. And I'll just kind of really quickly give you, um, you know, kind of, kind of just how I, I want to attack Superflex drafts this year. And, I, you know, I really am a believer that I like to build my Superflex teams around quarterbacks, and I also like to build them around running backs. You kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier in the podcast that the wide receiver prospects are – it feels like every year is the year of the wide receiver. And I completely agree. There's really good wide receiver product, uh, prospects just about every single season. And it's also the easiest position to fill at the NFL level. You know, the fantasy pool of wide receivers is, is crazy deep. It's deeper now than it's ever been at any point in the 15 years that I've been playing fantasy. So for that reason, I like to attack running backs and quarterbacks early and often, even in super flex drafts. I think Brees Hall's the 101 in this year's draft. If you're sitting there at 101, don't get too cute. Just go ahead and take the guy unless he lands in some horrendous spot, which I don't see coming coming down the pike for us. So attack those – load up on those running backs, load up on those quarterbacks. Those are the guys that are going to score you points in, that, in this format and win you championships. Really good to have a nice wide receiver prospect on your team. I'm not saying don't touch any of the guys that we, that we mentioned here tonight. Those guys can – some of those guys are going to be really good players and they can help you. Don't be afraid to grab them. But if you're kind of on the fence between selecting a quarterback, running back, receiver – you should probably take the wide receiver out of that conversation just because you can backfill a wide receiver spot with a veteran or another uh, decent prospect down the line. That makes sense. I mean, while you're at it, um, you know, I actually, I was going to ask just, Hey, you know, as far as like what direction you're going and, and, and it's fun to kind of hear it um, being that we're in actually two leagues together. So um, I'm not going to do that to you. Uh, I'm not going to have a, have you dive deep dive to, far into it and, and spread that into the world. Cause I, I think we got some other listeners that has that in that want that inside knowledge too. So um, it is kind of funny uh, saying some of these thoughts and in, into the world. Cause we're, we're competing against each other too, which just makes it, makes it fun and interesting. Um, but no, I think overall like strategy, I, I think um, you said it. I mean, I think, you know, finding those running backs that can, you know, win you, winning championships because you want to have very um, dependable running backs where, you know, just talking strategy as far as how I build my team too is like, I like stacking my team with a bunch of, if you may have noticed, but I love having as many wide receivers as possible to, cause one, they, they, you may win and you may, uh, you know, they may bloom into the next big thing, but then, you know, they're more like um, matchup dependent, whereas running backs, like a lot of the times, if you got you got running backs on your in your lineup that you're playing them every week to where they're not so much like matchup dependent. Sometimes they are. And you may, you know, you may bench somebody against, uh, you know, a top tier defense or something like that. So I, I tend to agree with you. I like overall, I like having a lot more uh, wide receivers on my depth chart and having less running backs. Cause also, you know, you got a lot of, get a lot of injuries and, and different things like that. And, um, some people run pretty low. I, my strategy is running pretty low depth chart wise with the running backs, but I'm a big fan of handcuffs too. So, I mean, while we're talking strategy, strategy, that's kind of what I go with, but I definitely agree with you. Like, um, grab the guys, grab your running backs if you got the the value there. But that's, you know, since we covered all these guys, I mean, that's kind of where you kind of take that tier approach into consideration as well is where, like, don't pass up a tier one guy. You know, it, it, let's say you're, you know, if you really need a, a wide receiver, but you got a tier one running back that you value, like grab the running back, you know, kind of copy that practice, what the pros do in that, that respect. Because you never know. I mean, you got 
you got a million trades with dynasty and stuff that you can do all the time. So you never one how your team is today doesn't necessarily mean that's how it's going to be tomorrow. So that that's kind of my two cents there. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying, and I'm actually really excited for this. Was really fun tonight, but I'm really just really excited for the draft coming up here and uh and the fun stuff we got coming up next week. Yeah, yeah. So with that being said, uh, next week we should have a fun you know fun episode as well. We can. We're going to recap the draft in a fun way. Um, we got a special guest. I'm not going to say his name this week. Uh, he's from ESPN Radio. So that's going to be fun. We're actually going to do a four-person mock draft. So um, that should be very fun to the listeners to kind of see where where we pick these guys post-draft. So now you're getting, you're getting your pre, pre-draft talk. And then we're going to be doing the mock draft right afterwards, which that is awesome. Um, so definitely tune back in next week. For that, um, and then another big thing. One thing I wanted to call out this week is it's it's hilarious. We actually reached our all time high. We tied our all time high. I'm not gonna, you know, Sunday Surefire doesn't kiss and tell over. We don't say our numbers, but um, <laughs> last week we tied our our top um, listens in in an episode in, in a week. So um, my, you know, what all this cr- content we're doing from you, I got one request is. Hey, everyone tell at least like one more friend. We would definitely want to beat that record and enter a little Sunday surefire party possibly. So um, we would definitely want to break, keep breaking records, but keep, you know, spreading the, spreading the wealth, spreading the the content. Um, you know, that's my, my only request there. Uh, but th- with that being said, um, you know, everyone have a fun draft week. And uh, yeah, I guess as the, you know, the great Captain Carmen says, peace. <laughs>